0: Well, hello again, my brothers and sisters. Thank you so very much for your presence on today as we continue our series on the book of 1 Peter, looking at the realities of the Christian life. And let me just tell you on the front end of this message, on this lesson on today, that if you have not had an opportunity to view lesson one or lesson two, would you take the opportunity to go to our website, at CarolinaChurch.org and literally view um, part one and part two because it was there that we start building the foundation. Um, on today, I'm going to intentionally pick up where I left off in our last setting so that we, in fact, can get all of what I need to get in on today um, within the time frame in which we have. Again, I thank you for your presence wanna challenge you and I do pray that this is helping you in any way of your growing in the Lord. Now, we've been looking at, I started with um, um, chapter one of 1 Peter and um, specifically we focused our attention in on verses one through 12. On part one, we dealt with verse one and two on, um, in part two, we dealt with verse three. So part one, we dealt with verses one and two. In part two, we dealt with verse three. Though I have read to you all of those verses from one and 12, I wanna ask you to do the same thing. I'm going to, Um, not read the verses. I'm gonna go jump right into the lesson so that we can pick up where we left off. I want you to focus in, if you will, at verse number three, verse three. And this is what verse three tells us. Verse three tells us, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, um, part one, part two was entitled new birth. This particular lesson is still being considered the lesson on new birth, new birth. So I wanted to have you log that in as your title, new birth. Now this new birth brings you into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, okay? I want you to see this. This new birth brings you into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's it's important to note that our hope flows directly from the resurrection of Jesus. It flows directly from the resurrection of Jesus. Our hope, I can't emphasize this enough. I do want you to kind of log on to it. If I repeat it more than once, it's because it's an important piece. Our hope flows directly, as a result of our new birth, our hope flows directly from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is key, you all, it's key. Our hope is generated from Jesus' resurrection. So Peter's not talking about the power of a more optimistic view of life. I've listened to motivational speakers tell large audiences um, to think positive and be positive. And listen, that may may be good psychology. It may be good psychology, but that's not good theology. That has nothing to do with Christianity, has nothing to do with Jesus Christ's um, resurrection, has nothing to do with that. Your living hope, is not a mind game in which you create your own reality by the power of positive thinking no peter tells us in verse 3 that our living hope is tied to the resurrection of jesus when jesus rose from the dead he broke the power of death and through the new birth the living hope of his victory touches and embraces you God's brought you to share in the triumph of Jesus' resurrection. Death has no hold over him, and death will have no hold over you. When the moment of your death comes, whether that be through illness, old age, or what we call accident or disaster, it will be a translation out of your body into the place where God will keep us until the rapture. This right here helps us to overcome fear and to live with confidence, okay? So I wanted to point that out in verse three, as I, 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 I gave you a part of verse three in and, and part two, but I wanted to make sure I finished that. I needed you to know and understand that our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's go to verse four, verse four. When you look at verse four, verse four would have us to know that we are kept by God's power. And look, this is what it says in verse four, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Y'all, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. That's what the verse says. Peter helps you to see that you have been born again into an inheritance that can never perish, that can never spoil or fade, but it is kept in heaven for you. Your new birth has brought you into a new family. Let me say that again. Your new birth has brought you into a new family. You are a child of God, and as a member of his family, you have a share in the greatest of all inheritance. God will keep that inheritance for you until the day when Jesus Christ will come and gather the whole family together into the immediate presence of God the Father. It's a wonderful thing to know that God is keeping a place in heaven just for you. I think that's worth noting you all. Just go ahead and put this in your note. God is keeping a place in heaven just for you. The reservations has already been made. But not only has it been made, but how about it's been paid for by the blood of Jesus? There is an inheritance with your name on it. And when you see it, you will not be disappointed it's important to note that Peter would have had us to um, know that God does more than keep an inheritance for you. He also keeps you for the inheritance. Through faith, you are, according to verse five, shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. There are many believers who believe that God has an inheritance for them in heaven, but they sometimes wonder if they're gonna make it to heaven to receive it. God would have you to know that your salvation does not depend on your ability to hold on to Christ, but on Christ's ability to hold on to you. I, I need you to get this. Your salvation does not depend on your ability to hold on to Christ, but on Christ's ability to hold on to you. It does not depend on the strength of your hand, but of his, and his hand is stronger than yours. Yo, know, that's the basis of Christian confidence or assurance. Christ is keeping an inheritance for you, and he's keeping you for the inheritance. Both are safe in his hands, and when he comes back, he will bring the two together, and the inheritance will then be yours. Hey, Pastor, Pastor, how can I know if my faith is authentic? How can I know, Pastor? How can I know if my faith is authentic? Look at verses um, 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7 helps us with this. Verses 6 and verse 7. This is what it says. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed." That's verses 6 and 7. Peter says that your faith is of greater value. Listen to this, you all. Peter is helping us to see that our faith is of greater value greater worth than gold. Gold will eventually perish like every other created thing, but your faith, if it is genuine, it will last for eternity. But how can I know, Pastor, whether my faith is authentic? That's the question that we're chasing. How can I know, Pastor, if my faith is authentic? How can I know? whether my faith is not just a passing phase. Well, Peter gives us the answer in these verses in verses six and seven. He gives us the answer when you suffer grief in all kinds of trials, you will have all the evidence you need that your faith is authentic. Here's why. If your faith were just a human decision or if your faith was a passing phase, then as soon as you began to suffer, you would renounce your faith and turn away from God. That's exactly what you would have done. You would have renounced your faith and you would have turned away from God. Then you would have spent the rest of your life either saying you could no longer believe in God Or you will be smoldering in bitterness and resentment against God. And y'all, there are many persons, there are many persons who are like that. But the greater question is, why isn't everybody like that? That's the greater question. Why isn't everybody like that? Because all of us have experienced our share of suffering in this life. So why haven't we all turned away in bitterness and resentment? We've all struggled with unanswered questions, struggled with disappointed hopes and shattered dreams. We've all struggled with the loss of um, losing loved ones. We have all struggled with severe illness and violence or some personal or major catastrophe. And yet, we still believe. Come on, y'all talk to me. We still believe. I'm talking to an audience right now who has been um, 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 having trial after trial. I'm talking to somebody right now who has gone from one from A to Z with some kind of major catastrophe, and yet you still believe, and yet we still love Christ. So here's the question. How could that be, Pastor? Y'all, there's only one explanation for this. Only one. Christian faith is a miracle. Y'all, it's the seed of the life of God planted within your soul. And that seed of faith is indestructible. Uh, allow me to illustrate it like this. Let me see if I can make it plain. I want you to think about a plant being planted in the ground and try to imagine the experience from the plants perspective. The gardener takes the tender plant in his loving hand. He digs a hole specifically prepared for the plant and its roots. The gardener then places the plant in the hole he has prepared. The plant is strategically placed in order that the light from the sun can shine upon it. The plant is enjoying the perks that have been prepared for it. But then suddenly, the gardener, who seemed to be so caring, drops piles of dirt on top of the plant. It's almost as if the plant is buried in the dirt. It's surrounded in darkness. It appears, y'all, that the plant's life is over. But in actuality, this is not the plant's life being over. This is the beginning of the plant's growth. Come here, lean in. Let me tell y'all this. Listen, y'all, trials and difficulty, grief and loss, disappointment can bring us into experiences of great darkness. But faith is a living seed. Oh, God. Like the plant, y'all, we grow where, where we are planted. Just like that plant, we grow where we are planted. And the amazing thing is that the dirt and the difficulty piled over us actually contributes to our growth. If you think about your own experiences, your own situations you've had to face, the significant trials you've gone through. You've lived with many unanswered questions, you've you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. But there are times when you are unable to grasp what God is doing in your life. And yet, if you are a believer, what Peter says to us in verse 8 will be true of you. Here it is, verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. You still believe in him. Y'all, there can be no greater evidence of the authenticity of your faith than that. Faith that you still love him, even though you've been through trials and you've been through suffering and you've been through difficulty and you've been through disappointments and you've been through being disgusted, I'm telling you, and here you are still believing You're believing because verse 8 helps us to know, y'all, no greater evidence of the authenticity of your faith than that faith that has been proven genuine according to what we see in verse 7 and verse 8. Verse 7 says, it will result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. One day, God will review everything that has happened in your life including the places where you choose to love him and trust him through things that you did not understand. (laughs) Y'all, there are those of us, Peter helps us to see this. Peter said, you're suffering, but you kept believing even through the things you didn't understand. Even through the questions that you had no answers for, you kept on persevering and believing. Then it will become a clear um, understanding that you all, that the darkness passages of our lives were the places of our greatest triumph. You will enter into the presence of Jesus with great joy and discover there that the full value of your new life in Christ is also tied to what you go through in life. It's in verse 10, verse 10 and 11, verse 10 and 11, that Peter concludes the front part of his letter by reminding us of the immense privilege that we have with our new life. We have what others long to have. Look, Verses 10 and 11 is what it says. It says concerning this, um, (laughs) I don't want y'all to miss, I'm sorry. We we have what others long to have. Oh God. Let me see if I can make this plain. Look at what verse 10 and 11 says. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Now, I want you all to know the Old Testament prophets knew that God would send the promised deliverer and the Holy Spirit prompted them to speak about him. They knew that someone would come, that this person would suffer, and that afterward he would be surrounded with glory. But they did not know how this would happen or when he would appear. The prophets longed to know more, and their whole lives were taken up with research as they carefully tried to discern how all of this was going to come about. Their prophecies pointed forward to what you now experience through the new birth. We receive what Isaiah, what Moses, and Elijah longed for. Watch verse 12. Verse 12 says, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. That's what verse 12 says. Peter takes this thought a step further when he writes that even the angels long to look into these things. Angels have the benefit of enjoying life in the immediate presence of God, where they worship and serve the creator. But since they have never sinned, they cannot know what it is to be, um, to be forgiven. They can't know what it is to be forgiven. They do not share our experience of grace, and they cannot begin to imagine what it must be like for the Holy Spirit of God to live inside of you yeah we might be intrigued by the experience of angels but peter tells us that the prophets before us and the angels are fascinated by our unique experience of god's grace they long to look into these things god's grace is more than angels can can is more than angels can fathom It leads them to worship and it should do the same for you and I God, what a breathtaking privilege it is for the Christian. What a breathtaking privilege it is for the believer, for the born again. We have been given a new birth. We are kept by God's power. Man, the greatest of all inheritance, is kept for the believer. When you face trials, they show you that your faith is authentic. When you face trials, it's showing you that your faith is authentic so that even the most painful experiences of your life will end up rebounding in praise, in glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You have received what prophets long for and your experience of God's grace staggers. It staggers the angels. When you realize what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, you will readily with Peter's conclusion found in verse eight, you will readily understand though though I have not seen him you loved him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible, glorious joy. Hey, listen, that's all I have time for today. We'll pick up here next week. Can't wait to give you some more. Um, Thank you for your time today. I appreciate you tremendously for just give me the opportunity to break open to you the Word of God, specifically as it relates to verses one through 12, as we've just seen um, in 1 Peter. Now, before I let you go, two things I need to do. Number one, I wanna extend an invitation. I don't have the power to do it. It's an invitation that was extended as a result of Jesus coming and dying and being resurrected And now is at the right hand of the father. It's his invitation to extend. I just happen to work for him. But allow me to extend the invitation, looking for three persons, three groups of persons. Number one, for the person who's never committed their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never entered into a relationship with God. Don't even know how. The second group I'm looking for are those persons who entered into a relationship with God, but walked away. The third group I'm looking for today are those persons who say, hey, pastor, I'm in a relationship with God. I am being sanctified. But pastor, I've been looking for a church and a pastor who will break open to be the word that I might be able to apply it to my life. I wanna recommend this church to you. Now, regardless of what group you're in, group one, two, or three, if you are in group one, two, or three, I want you to pull out your smart device I want you to text 9400 and in the chat, I want you to put connect C-O-N-N-E-C-T, C-M-B-C, it's on the screen. I want you to put that in the, in the chat. And I have persons who are waiting to respond to you, whether you're in group one, group two, or group three. I just don't want time to expire without you responding to the invitation that's being extended. Before I let you go, I want to pray with you. I got to pray with you because I already know the enemy is busy and he's trying to keep you from making your decision. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I bind the hand and the activity of Satan. Satan, you are a liar. Get your hands off of them. They belong to the Lord. And so, Father, I pray now that you will infuse into the very hearts and the ears and the minds and the hearts of those persons listening to me, courage to tell Satan, get thee behind me. Give them courage to make the decision to choose you. I pray now for that power, God. Do it now in Jesus' name, amen. Here's the second thing I need you all to do for me before I let you go, number two, is that if you in fact have felt the presence of God and you understand what God is doing even in, this, in the midst of us right now, would you consider sowing and offering a gift um, into this ministry? There are multiple ways in which you can give. It's on the screen. You can see the different ways you can give. You can give to whatever cause you would like. Just know that whatever cause it is, it will be utilized for that purpose. We thank you in advance for your helping us to continue to do ministry. Appreciate you. Now, I've given you some principles. I can't wait to get back to give you some more. We talked about new birth. In this next piece, I want to talk about new life. New life. I want to deal with new life. Stay tuned to next week. On your mark, get set. Let's grow.